Greetings and salutations, everybody. It's time for another episode of Bald and Bingeable. It's me, D'Angelo, and I'm here to take you through an auditory journey through all those things in pop culture that you just can't help but consume. The things you are insatiable for. The stuff you find truly bingeable. Okay, you guys, so today... I'm gonna be bringing you just a little solo show. It's me by myself. Me, myself, and I is all I got in the end. It's what I found down. Shut the f- up. <laughs> okay, anyways. Um, I haven't given you guys any like pop culture recaps. I've been doing lots of different interviews with some really great people. So make sure you guys do check out those recent interviews with Love Connie, Joe Whitaker. There's a tiny Omi Banks in there. There's a bunch of good stuff. But as we move forward, I do want to make sure that I touch base with you guys and just give you a little bit of pop culture and also kind of what's been going on in my life because I have been getting some of that feedback is that some people are like, who the fuck are you, bitch? Rude. And I'm like, who are you in my DMs calling me a bitch? I just was recently in Vegas. I know, Vegas. The world is opening up. We're getting back out there into the world. Vegas, 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 Vegas. And Vegas is gross. (laughs) Okay, you guys. So I went recently with my in-laws and um, my partner went and his parents. They're like 90 years old. So one gets a little scooter and they scoot on around. But they are quick and they are with it. And thank God we have them. Uh, and his siblings and so we spent some time in Vegas it was nice we were at the Bellagio we ended up upgrading ourselves to a nice little suite situation because we haven't been out of the house in forever we left the dog with um, a friend of ours and it was my first time you guys so since we have got uh, since we have adopted Lucy last year I have not spent any time away from this little girl so it was my first trip not being with my dog and you guys i'm one of those people now and it's um it's nice and i know that having a dog has taught me a lot of things like with with patience and all kinds of things like that but at the same time gross i know i'm so disappointed with myself but anyways i do love my dog and uh it was a pretty cool trip I do need to bring somebody on here soon because I had a weird ghostly encounter when I was what? in Vegas. And so and I text when I'm I text actually Leslie Juvon Alcare, who was on one of our recent episodes, and so the medium extraordinaire. And um I was like letting her know. So well, real quickly, I'll just let you guys know. So uh, I produce another podcast. It's called Balladified. It's an event industry podcast that focuses on event entertainment. And so it's very different from what this is. Very professional, very, you know, upstanding and whatnot. I guess that's what you can call it. Um, (laughs) Anyways, so we were going to be recording from Vegas just as a a little Vegas special being in the event industry and just kind of talking about how Vegas has been opening up. They were at like 100% capacity before June 1st, and now they are completely open. No masks needed as long as you – it's like an honor system. Like if you say that you've been vaccinated, then you are completely – cool to move around freely and everything else the only place that there really is a major um mask mandate would be when you get into an uber they do make you confirm that yes i am wearing a mask before they even send you your car so that's a whole thing anthony and his partner his show partner alex they were going to be recording their new episode of belotified and i was down in the pool and then i went to go gamble with his family and he was like, oh, I'm going to go back up to the room. I'll meet you up there. I'm like, okay, great. So I'm playing for another, like, you know, 20 bucks in the machine. You guys, I won $1,000. How about that? I know, right? I won $1,000. Never has happened before. But anyways, before I get sidetracked with that story, let's talk about the ghost. I'm telling ghost stories in my podcast. Who the fuck do I think I am? Anthony, I see him. He says, I'm going to go back up to the room. I'm like, great, whatever. I'm going to play another 20 bucks. I'm playing my little 20 bucks. I cash on my myself out. I go up to the room and I hit the first landing. And how this suite was, is like you walked in, you're in the front foyer and there's a bathroom to one side and a kitchen to the other. But you can see through the kitchen into the dining room area when you go past the living room. And so I know it's a Bellagio suite. It's cute. Anyways, look them up. Um, 
And then you go from there into the bedroom, and the bedroom leads yourself into another hallway that leads into two separate bathrooms. And then, so that's what basically how the setup was. So I walk into the front doors, and I look forward, and I think, Anthony, hey, so are you ready to record? And I set that stuff up for And then he, like, turns around and walks into the next room. And I'm like, what? And I thought he was, like, joking around. I, like, walk past and go, you know. And I'm, like, talking to him. And he keeps going further into the room. So he goes through the dining room into the bedroom, goes down the hallway into the to the ba- to one of the bathrooms. And I'm like, hey. And I walk and I, like, follow him in there. And I'm like, there's nobody here. And then I go into the bathroom and I look because it's like one of those ones where the commode is inside of its own like little WC, little water closet there. And so I open that up and he's not in there. And I look inside of the closet and he's not there. And I'm like, what the hell, Anthony? Like, hello. And then the front door of the suite opens up and it's Anthony standing there with two coffees and a croissant. What the F, you guys what spiritual being was in my room? So I text Leslie Juvon and she was like, you know what? I think it has to do with the property is that somebody who doesn't know that they've passed John and they're still living. And so, yeah, so maybe a little um, ghosty ghost from the dunes from before was inside my room. Weird, right? <laughs> okay. So that's one Vegas experience. Uh, the rest of the Vegas trip that I had with the family was really, really great. And so... um Let's talk a little bit. I actually went back to Vegas last week with my other friend Gunther, friend of the pod. He does. He used to do the binge bitches with us, and so he's going to have to come on here one of these days and do a little recap. Uh, I met up with Gunther out there. He was going out because he goes out to Vegas all the time, and I was like, okay, well, you know what? I want to check out the night scene. I need to make shake some hands. Let me meet some people. Or Then I didn't want to do that because, you guys, I'm just... You know, we're just getting ourselves back out, out into the like the world. But anyways, so we were going out there. We're going to go to like Sickening Sunday. Sickening, no? Uh, over at the Garden, which is like this bar that's in the downtown area. It was my first time staying on Fremont, guys. Oof. Fremont Street during the week when there's $20 hotel rooms somewhere. Ooh, girl. Mm, no. That, that, that crowd is special. But I did have a lot of fun. Anyways, we did go to Sickening Sundays. It had Alexis Mateo, Coco Montrese, Desiree St. James, and then some other girl. Um, I guess they do an industry night there every Sunday night. And so they do like two drag shows, one at 1130, one at 12.30. Not really a drag show, more like a reveal of the queens. So the queens just kind of come out. Desiree does like her like little intro. Hey, everybody, how's everybody doing tonight? Blah, 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 blah. And then she introduces herself. She performs a song. Then she introduces Alexis. Alexis performs a song. Then Coco does one. So as each girl performs a song, then they they flutter through. Alexis looks great, you guys. Body looks slam. And Coco Montrese, I mean, the girls always just look. She's ageless, you guys. Like ageless by Ramona. So Coco Montrese, so she does her performance, and they had one other girl that was there that was part of some pageant system, and I'm so sorry, I do not remember her name. But anyways, it was a good little show, except for they each girl only performs once. They only do one number, and then they don't change. They just kind of hang out in VIP, and then when the show is over, before they reseat people for like the 1230 showing or whatever it's supposed to happen, they, um, they hang out with everybody, which was really, really nice. I mean... Because it's industry night, so I know a lot of people are probably in the nightlife industry, so they they probably know Alexis and whatnot. But if you do not have the experience of seeing like a RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, celebrity queen, that sort of a thing, it was pretty cool because both girls um, just hung out with people. They were out amongst the crowd, taking pictures, you know, kind of the whole kiki. I think people are just so desperate right now after spending 2020 all at home that everybody wants to kind of be out there. And so people are like ready for meet and greets and they're ready to just take pictures and kiki and haha and all that kind of thing. So it was cute. Gunther won some money. That was something kind of cool. So we get there and uh, I was staying down there on Fremont Street and there's that new hotel Circa that we had pool passes for that we could always go up and it's for the stadium swim stadium swim is pretty cool um 
it's basically a stadium like kind of set up where they put these pools up on the roof there at this hotel and there's like six different large pools some of them are wading pools some of them you know are a little bit deeper and then they have little uh jacuzzis on the side and just tons of seats and lounges and that's you know and it's kind of set up you know like how places are set up with like the vip areas around the outsides you know where they can kind of close up their cabanas and that sort of thing and then you have all the general seating that's all in the middle um pretty sure somebody pooped inside of one of those little pools too and so we just kind of like heard all this commotion everybody was exiting and somebody was like i think somebody shit in that pool and there was nobody any longer in that pool we didn't go check because i don't really want to go look at poop like it's like one of those things like i don't need to look at it you told me something happened i'm okay i'm good bye let's back to the story where gunther won money so when I first got there, Gunther was like, oh, they have this Crazy Rich Agents machine downstairs. It looks so cute. It's just my favorite movie. And we were talking about that. And, you know, the Crazy Rich Agents director is taking a, mo- taking a moment off because he was directing In the Heights. But anyways, so we are talking about the Crazy Rich Agents game, but we, we don't go play it. And so then the next day I go and I meet him at Stadium Swim and we're sitting there. We're having our little drinks and having a little kiki. And then he goes... I'm going to go play Crazy Rich Agents. And I'm like, okay, let's go. I'm not like a major gambler, you guys. Like, it's not like really my thing. Um, But I have been appreciating just kind of the atmosphere of being with my friends and with, especially when they win like this. So we go down there. We play Crazy Rich Asians. I keep saying that, you guys, and it sounds like a slur, but it's a total movie title, I swear to God. I go and I sit down and I'm like, oh, I hit a bonus. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to press this. And like I get up, you know, like I put 20 bucks in. I'm up at 50 bucks. And then Gunther's like, bing. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I like look over. And this bitch hits the grand. Okay. So he makes 5900 and something dollars. At the end of the day, this one takes home $6,000 from one of those games. I've never experienced that before. I was so happy for him. Absolutely, genuinely. It was just like, what? You won this money? He was shaking. It was like complete celebration, fanfare, the machines going wild, people are coming on over. It's the Crazy Rich Asians game, so it's even more like, ooh, because it's not like, you know, people say that you don't usually win on those games, but apparently you do. We were at Circa in Las Vegas, and we he won off of a Crazy Rich Asians game. So $6,000 later, I'm not paying for anything that I do with Gunther for the rest of the time that we're there. <laughs> he was so sweet, though. He did give me $100 to gamble because we were, like, walking around and just kind of like, oh, let's play. So, yeah, I didn't really go out the second night. I mean, we did some tequila the first night and then had some tequila shots the second. What is going on right now, you guys? Why is everybody in tequila all of a sudden? Was it Denise? Did Denise Richards do this? It's like, now she's like, everybody's like, Casamigos this, Casamigos that. Bitch. I know you were not that fancy. Go get yourself a Patron. But when they got Casamigos, I was doing the shot. So what was it say about me? I know. I know. Anyways, uh, I was feeling those shots the next evening. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going out. And I did feel a little bit hungover. So what does that say about me? Cruella DeVille. Cruella DeVille. If she doesn't scare you. What? I'm not going to give away too many. I'm actually not going to give away any spoilers because that's just mean. And I think a lot of people are going to go and see it. We did have quite a bougie experience seeing it, though. So a friend of ours, it was her birthday, and she was uh, celebrating, and she wasn't sure what she was going to do because it's like a milestone birthday. It was 45, which is like a big deal, but at the same time, it's not 40 or 50. So she rented out a theater, which was really, really cool. It was awesome. We all showed up, just kind of like waved us in like we were on a list and something special. She took us over to like the... Uh, concession stand. They gave us whatever we wanted to have. I ended up having pretzel bites. I know. <laughs> so cute. I felt like I was back in high school. Anyways, we go in. We get to watch Cruella in a nice little private seat- seating kind of thing. What was great, too, is, is that she's, like, down there. She's like, okay, we're all here. You can start playing it. Like, 
But I felt like power. It was real cute having a little private movie theater experience. So if you can run out in the theater for a bunch of your friends for some situation, do it. I think I'm going to look into doing it as well. So what I did love about Cruella was that she was evil for evil's sake. I love that. Um, you know, it's all built on the issues. It's called. It should be called A Tale of Two Emmas. Emma Thompson is acting her ass off. So dry, so amazing. The fashions in this are just loving it, loving it, loving it. And then you guys... There's something that I know that's hit a lot of like the news and the press and everything, and probably those million moms and everybody else are probably having all these issues with it because they have this new gender fluid queer character played by John McRae. His name is Artie, and he's just like they're giving these kids this something to latch on to, and so and it's very cool because it's very punk. There's there's like a lot of that in it. They go back in with Horace and Jasper, which I kind of love those two characters. Um, Corella, you know, if you have an issue, if you're one of those people who like, oh, you're so triggered because she hurts dogs. In this, she does, um, she's a dog lover, which is great. So I would say it's great. It's fun. There's lots of twists and turns. It's a Disney movie, so don't expect too much. In the realm of character origin stories, you have something as extreme as like a Joker you know, the Joaquin Phoenix issue. And then you also have like Maleficent, you know, with Angelina Jolie, Angelina. And like Angelina is a very tame one and the Joker one is very, very dark and raw. And this one has a place like somewhere right in the middle of those two movies when it comes to these origin biopics and how dark they're going to let them get. So because it does get pretty dark for a Disney flick. Did love it had fun with it if you're looking for something that's going to earn some oscars maybe for design but i don't think for for anything else but is it a fun ride yes i would say go see it i endorse have at it is this the basement it's the lower level okay Okay, you're the rony of it all, you guys. So on Re New York Housewives right now, we have that new Ebony K. Williams who has joined the cast. But we only have a cast of five, which is very difficult for these shows. They really need to give us seven is usually a really good number because it's not even. So you can't have even teams. And you always have somebody who's on that out the periphery that kind of can jump in and tag in on either side. But... You know, it was it's 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 doing what it needs to, and with Roni, these women have big enough personalities that it's happening. Um, so we've had this Hamptons; they're on their five day trip. Heather, hey mama, Thompson has joined us. Heather, hey mama, yummy tummy, Thompson. You guys, up until this point, okay, I had been thinking to myself, we need Heather back. We need Heather back. We need Heather back because we needed a voice of reason. We needed somebody to be the Bethany, somebody to be be the one who stands back and kind of assesses the whole situation and kind of can help forward things along. The problem with Heather is very much what Leah says, but I don't want to be on Leah's side because I'm kind of hating her right now, too. But when Leah is basically saying that Heather acts like a know-it-all and that she's all, Heather does. So that's kind of the thing that is turning us off. I did listen to Heather's podcast, though, the one with Carol, where they talk about the drug use and everything else. And it is fucking juicy. It is really good. Heather does admit to, like, smoking weed and all that kind of thing, but that's not a big deal. But in that podcast, they do allude to Sonia and Luann partaking in, like, coke and whatnot. I mean, like, Luann or Sonia was getting a, a dick up her ass. I mean, like, she was probably on a little something-something, you know? Um, I wouldn't have put it past her. But anyways, allegedly, Heather has joined us here. Leah is waging a war against Heather. Hey, mama, that is just so uncomfortable. And the thing is, is Leah has really been giving us all the worst things in her sophomore year. Like she had a great freshman year last year. We all fell in love with Leah, hated her Ikea apartment. Now she redid her apartment, but she has regressed when it comes to her personality. She's like a freaking child you guys like she's like are you six years old what the hell like you're gonna take a vow of silence you're gonna stomp around say i'm not going with them like man up you know and then this whole situation with her grandmother is very unfortunate and i would never like say anything about somebody's family and like you know that it is everybody has their own pain their own way of dealing their own way of grieving and then the other half of this is that ebony and um Leah both are dealing with grandmothers who are sick at a death's door 
And we're also dealing with a pandemic. And so right now we're not thinking so much pandemic because they have done a good job of having the women quarantine. They're banging out. They're making these girls go for five days on end in the same house because they can get a lot of material from it. I mean, like it's during the time of quarantine. If everybody goes home, starts interacting with their families and everything else, then you all of a sudden you've broken the bubble. Then you everybody has to go back. They have to do their two weeks. Remember, this is when we're doing two weeks, not the 10 to seven days of quarantine. So you just kind of understand that Leah and Ebony can't be back with their family because they're right now committed to shooting. They're working, you know? And so for her to go home, she can't really come back. So she's trying to get in as much material as she possibly can. Half is for the paycheck. Half of it is an obligation. And the other half I think is ego, but whatever. Um, Luann, she got real uncomfortable in the episode before this one with, uh, all her comments, all of her girlfriend, girlfriend, I don't know, girlfriend. And then when she called Ebony angry, and that alluded to the whole issue. This is why Ebony, this is where the episode picks up, where Ebony is like, okay, I'm leaving. And I love how Ebony is like walking out the door. And she was like, you guys don't have to come with me. Heather and Sonia didn't have their purses. I don't think they were coming with you, Ebony. They were just seeing you to your Uber. Anyways, Ebony leaves. She comes home to Leah the child. I'm calling Eb- Leah the child from now on. Okay, so the child is, uh, so Ebony basically tells her that the word angry was used. And the way that Ebony kind of puts it here that she's, she calls me an angry black woman. Okay, she called you angry and she didn't put it in that context. But the thing is, is I mean, it's not right. It's not okay. Let's quote Whitney Houston on this. But the way that she posed the comment to Leah was a little bit she knew what she was doing. She was going to get that rise out of Leah for that moment. And the problem that I'm having with Leah is Leah's overcompensating for being a woke person with, oh, 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 I can't believe she said, you're fucking kidding me. Like the way that Leah is, the news is so buzzworthy to her. Like everything she is doing in the second season is so calculated. So it's like, Leah, calm down. Anyways, with Heather, 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 hey mama, she almost has it. She's right on the right side of history, but she still has those little things that, those microaggressions, and it's just not cute. It's not great. And for somebody who acts like a know it all, that's where it becomes off as unexcusable, I feel like. So it's just kind of like if you act like you're always in a state of learning, when you do make a mistake, just kind of cop to it, learn from it, get it, got it, good, keep on moving, you know? So she's right there on the right side of history, but she just didn't understand how the little compliments can feel backhanded. And she talks about being in, a, in amongst black America. Girl, you were with like Puffy at the height of when he was. With Beyonce, when she was starting House of Darion, so there was some money there. I mean, like, you don't know that experience. But what's good about what you do know is you know the privileged black experience and you know the privileged end of all that. So you can kind of look at things from a black and white eye. And I think when Ebony was questioning her about that, it just was very cringeworthy because, yeah, you understand how hip hoppers and, like, Beyonce, who is basically worshipped, you know what I mean? Beyonce's a god. So you can't experience, like, her experience is not going to be like everybody else's, you know? And so I think that Heather just has to really cool it and watch what she's saying. Like, Ebony said that, you know, she had, like, uh, Ebony said that Heather, she's got an elevated sense of awareness, but her over-familiarizing is something that makes her uncomfortable. And I completely get that. But what I don't get is that Ebony's not noticing Leah in this whole situation, that Leah's putting on this like woke racial theater. And so it's just wild to me how she just is putting on this like show of like, look at how much I support you, Ebony. da 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 You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's too much. She so wants to be a hero, and it's just coming off gross. So Luann, oh, Luann, how could you do this to me? Question mark. Um, (laughs) I 
thought she would have been bigger with these things. And I feel like, you know, Luann has seen the world. And this whole conversation about her being uneducated, that was never a point of this. It had nothing to do with anything. And this thing got completely blown out of, of proportion. But, um, oh, did you guys notice that Luann Delaseps smokes American spirits? Right? They were sitting on her little nightstand. I saw the little yellow box. And I got taken back to when I was a senior in college and was dancing for, you know, 12 hours a week and doing theater and feeling my artistic oats. And like you would wear a scarf and you would smoke an American spirit. I had this one friend, Sarah, who we would go out to eat and she had spent some time in Europe. And this is like so brand new to the world. So we would go eat these MVR salads. Okay, these MVR salads, this is like a place behind where my university was. Like when I went to school over there in Ohio. So people who go to Youngstown State University, you guys know what I'm talking about. The MVR. The salad is not the same because I had a friend who tried it recently. But anyways, they had these big salads that came in these huge glass bowls that was just full of lettuce and you had the all the different, you know, vegetables and trimmings and they had these great uh, chicken and they would put fries in it, you guys. Chicken and fries, and they put a little bit of cheese on it, you guys. Oh my god, I dream about this salad sometimes at night, and that's how you know I'm really fat. Deep down inside, I don't appear to be completely overweight, but I can completely eat well. Okay, anyways. This deviation. I'm talking about the MVR salads. I really am thinking about it, and I want one really bad. Anyways, so Sarah would take us, and we'd go eat these MVR salads, and she would eat half of it and be like, oh, we got to go outside and take a smoke break. So you would, like, put your napkin over your salad and go outside and take, like, a lackadaisical smoke break and sit there. Be like, okay, let's go back in and eat and go back in and finish. It was the stupidest thing, but it's something that, you know, we just thought we were so cool and artistic. We were in college, you know, that young age. Anyways, so Luann smokes American spirits. Long story long. Um, how does she smoke those cigarettes, though, and look that good? Luann looks so freaking great, but she keeps putting her foot in her mouth. It's so bad. She's so ego-driven that she's not realizing how that she's coming across. And uh, when they were doing that whole scene with the apologies and everything, this is where Sonia starts coming out. And you're like, oh, my God, Sonia is the most woke. Sonia is the best one here. She knows how she's dealing with this. But I love in this intervention after Luann finally apologizes and she wants an apology back from Ebony. And Ebony's like, um, I'm not going to apologize to you for the feelings, my reaction for the issue that you had. I'm not going to apologize because you offended me. I'm going to like I'm going to say I'm sorry for going there, but I'm not apologizing. It's a weird it's a weird balance there and I completely get what she means. But when Sonia looks at her and she goes, "Can you tell us here why you're upset?" And Luann, she wants an apology from Ebony so bad that Luann she, but she doesn't know what to say because she really doesn't know why she's so upset. She just knows that the fight happened. I wanted to be indignant, and now I'm not really sure why I'm upset. So Luann just kind of looks at her and does that little, um, I, uh, well, um, uh, I, uh, suck, and then such as, um, uh, uh, like she didn't know what to say. Like Luann had no idea. And Sonia just goes, that's frustrating, but who should be apologizing here? And I was like, in that moment, I'm just looking at myself and I'm feeling, is Sonia Bernie Sanders? <laughs> Who knew Sonia would be this voice? Who knew Sonia was going to be the one who got it? That when she had that moment with Ebony and she's like, I completely appreciate it. I understand. We'll try to be better. The onus is on us. We've got this. And then when she even says that, you know, she has to, you know, be the person who turns the page in that whole situation. I mean, beautiful. I'm going to read it real quickly. She, Sonia says, the burden is on us. We're white privileged ladies. Nobody is turning the page and moving forward. We have to read the page, feel the pain, be a little bit awkward. And then we can turn some more pages. Who is Sonia's PR person? Who has gotten to her? Where did this 
understanding come from because it's awesome. They didn't have anybody in Dallas that was doing this for Tiffany Moon. We don't really have anybody who's over there in Beverly Hills doing this. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But like we like Kyle had the opportunity to be this person for Crystal when Sutton was going off about the whole redneck comparing comparing being a southern redneck to years and years of cultural aggression towards Asian, the Asian community. I mean like she was really trying that. And so when Kyle should have stood in here where the way that Sonia did. And that's what's amazing is that Sonia actually has grown. So when Sonia says that she needs more self-esteem and that whole conversation about how she's a queen with Ebony, oh my gosh, you guys, I fell back in love with Sonia. And then it was kind of in that moment when I'm thinking, ooh, this show is going to evolve even more. We're going to we only have five girls this year. We know next year they're going to bring in like three new ladies. In the New York people, they know how to do that. And I think they didn't do it for 2020 when they were shooting because of the pandemic. So they just kind of used people who were already in the know. But I just have this feeling that when they do change the show, we're going to keep Sonia. She's going to be an auntie. She's going to be kind of like she's going to morph. I think we're going to get we're going to see where this character is going to go. And it kind of made me excited again for, for seeing her. That that just sweet moment, though, between Ebony and Sonia was then highlighted a moment later by Heather. Hey, mama. Yummy Tummy Thompson walking in and saying that Ebony is very articulate. And it was like, no, Heather, you were so on the right side, but you don't get it. Like, there's a different way to compliment people and not say you're so articulate because it should have been a different way that she could have put that. That, wow, you really know how to speak your feelings when it comes to emotional intelligence. Something else in that sense that just, or just don't even say anything at all. That, that's how you should maybe leave it sometimes. It's just like not even say anything to that that essence. Maybe you're like, hey girl, you want a drink? That's it. We don't need to sit there and compliment somebody all the time. We don't need to sit there and talk about somebody's, the way that they act, the way that they look, the way that they taste, the way they smell, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like, if you ain't fucking them, then just back off, okay? Offer her a drink. You want to kick it? Great. Talk. Let's have some story talk. Stop trying to teach her. Stop trying to get a lesson. You know, the lessons will come just by being there and being present and being part of the situation. So, oh, Heather, hey, mama, yummy tummy Thompson. She had that little microaggression. But then Leah, she got on my nerves when she was like, how do you not know that? <laughs> oh, shut up, Leah. Just shut up. You're so self-righteous. I'm so over it. And I'm waiting till the day that she fucks up. She's going to. And we know that she's going to. And it's just gross. So she's just. Here's my other problem with Leah in this whole situation. Is that Leah is acting to be so woke and so there and down for marginalized communities and about COVID relief and everything else. And then this bitch is going to say that she's not sure she was going to vote. What? Oprah Winfrey style. What? Right there. You think you're an ally to people and you are not going to step up and be a person who does the least, and that is just go vote. Go vote on the right side. Ugh. Ugh. Let me say that one more time for Leah. Ugh. But if Leah wants to come on the show and explain herself, she can come on. Because I did like her a lot the first season, but what the fuck is she doing this year? It's gross. So the rest of the episode just kind of uh, barrels along until we have the big blow up later. So Ebony wants to match make Sonya, that she wants to get somebody for her. That whole scene where she's talking about how, you know, well, I think I'm going to match make Sonya because she's really, really, she needs to find a good guy when she's talking to her friend on the phone. And they're juxtapositioning that with Sonya in the kitchen and Sonya is me to a tea. She is drinking her coffee, eating her leftover meatball, standing around the kitchen island. You guys, I did that yesterday. I did that yesterday. My cleaning lady was here. I was having a leftover meatball out of the little silver container as this lady was cleaning the house. I like made her a coffee. I'm like, hey, you want some coffee, Lala? Okay, great, great, great. So anyways, um, ooh, my privilege was just showing, wasn't it? 
Mm, I'm sorry I'm rich. I'm so sorry. You guys, I'm not rich. But I can act like I am. I don't know what that means either. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, they end up going uh, fishing because Sonia likes to fish. She wants to go fishing. That's what Ramona's contribution was to this episode. She was going to take her fishing. Um, they go fishing with this man who looks like a character from Wallace and Gromit. All good, all times, whatever. Um, Sonia likes a dad bod. But anyways, cut to Leah crying later where... She's getting when they're all getting ready for the pageant and she's crying in her room to her mom. And this is like a really, really terrible scene and it's very, very sad. But Leah has gotten herself to the point that I don't like her. So I didn't I didn't feel wow, that's dark. I know. But I didn't feel anything for her. Anyways, Leah, she hates Heather because Heather is the authority on everything. And Ebony ends up going in and telling her that hey, so we were having this conversation and she tells her this stuff about Heather, which just sets Leah off. And, oh, oh, she's going to talk about me, blah, 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 blah. So she calls her a Karen, amongst other things. And she's saying that you are white feminism 101. You're the problem, which all I have to say is, bitch, go vote. She's the problem, go vote. That really did set me off. I don't know. I think it probably a lot of people were feeling that way, too, because of what the climate was last year. And for somebody to have the audacity to say that they don't think they're going to vote this year. Mm. Wrong answer. Anyways, so we had Karen versus Karen happening there. And so then the episode ends with the girls all going off to their um, little pageant that they're going to be putting on. Leah did look great. Then she decided that she wanted to do the, you know, the bloody neck thing with the Carrie dress, which... Okay, choices. Everybody else is looking fabulous and that she wanted to be just that little bit different because she always has to be a little bit different because Leah is a child. Um, but so as they're all getting ready to go out into the car and everything, and she's like, don't leave me in here with her when Heather was going in because Leah didn't want to go back in and go get her hula hoops. So she could have been in the car with Le- with Luann and with Heather and somebody else could have went and got them. Or she could have went and got them herself. But then since Luann went to go get the hula hoops, she goes, don't leave me in here with this girl. Now, this is how we also know that she is a little bit calculated in everything that she does. Because when she does have that emotional thing that when Heather goes, relax, bitch. Okay, she wasn't saying relax, bitch, in like a really, really malicious way or something really, really nasty. She just said relax, bitch. Like just how we all do. We use the word bitch. And she uses the word bitch all the time. She calls everybody bitches. She calls everybody hoes. Rewind a tape. But the whole thing here is just, you know, she wants a reason to blow up. So she looks over at at Heather. And when she throws the flowers, she threw them at Heather's knee. When I'm feeling angry, I'm throwing those flowers in your chest or your face. So we knew that that was just her, you know, acting out, but in the still in the right frame of mind. But she knows that, ooh, if I really throw something at Heather, Heather probably can't come for me and probably knock that block off. And I would like to see it. Anyways, so at the end of the episode, we got Roni, Karen versus Karen. Why is it that that Law & Order music always makes me want to kind of do a little bit of a dance, you guys? I don't know. I was a weird child. Let's talk about Erica Girardi. What is going on with Miss Erica Jane, a.k.a. Erica Girardi? She and Tom Girardi, they have filed for, for divorce. She filed for divorce from him last year on Election Day. We are seeing that these trials are coming to a head, and now... ABC News, this presentation that is now special, it's running over on Hulu, has given a face to some of these victims. And so we're seeing that these massive, these people who have suffered some massive catastrophes and uh, basically Tom's law firm went to bat for them. They won, got major settlements, hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases, some cases millions, where they were supposed to turn around and pay these victims back their money. So essentially what they do point out in this is that when somebody goes to trial and a cash sum is awarded, it goes into a trust before it hits the victim 
or their legal counsel. So it goes into the trust, then all the legal fees get pulled, and then the rest of the lump sum should go to those uh, victims of whatever the situation is. And in this case, they were just holding the money. Tom Girardi was, please don't be mad at me. Please don't be mad at me. I'm so sorry we're going to get this money. I got to call this other judge. I'm so meek and weak. and Oh my goodness, you guys. Doesn't he look a little bit like Elmer Fudd as well? I'm not trying to be mean, but he does. He looks like Elmer Fudd. He has that big old head and that nose. Okay. Anyways, um, so... Yeah, so then the whole other part of this is like, did Erica know about anything? But the whole thing that makes this even more awkward is now that they have all this footage from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, every single time that she was like, oh, this piece, $40,000. I spent $40,000 about on my hair and makeup so I can go to Richest Nightclub in a tour bus. Girl, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Oh, my God, in the promo for this housewife and the hustler, it's right now you can catch it on Hulu have fun with it there's some tragic parts to it but the thing is the campiness of it all you guys they have danielle staub okay you know danielle staub the one who just had those viewing parties by herself inside of her house uh, on ig live of real housewives new jersey because she was bitter that she wasn't back on this season so she was having viewing parties where she would get mad at people when they made comments to her yeah i mean roll the tape laughing now motherfucker go ahead say it again so i can say your name out here go ahead Fuck you. Fuck you. But we'll circle back to that scum fuck. So Danielle Staub is like one of the people that they interview for this. And it is so dramatic the way that she enters. The very first scene is like this lumpy chair sitting there. And all of a sudden Danielle Staub walks in. She has a little bit of a slur in her speech. And I'm not sure if that is from the overdone Botox or if it's because she was drinking. Allegedly, again, do not tag her. Do not get me in trouble for any of this. Again, we're being funny. We're keeping it going. But anyways, yes, she does look look a little bit um, off kilter. What's great, though, is, is that she drags Erica every chance that she gets. She calls her fake. She says that Erica can't really hold a tune, but she's a good performer. I mean, she just talks so much shit about Erica the whole time. Heather McDonald is on it as well. Heather looks great. Uh, little Miss Juicy Scoop is over here. And the thing is, you know that she jumped at an opportunity. And, like, who wouldn't? And the thing is, is and she's also, she's had first-hand access to Miss Erica Jane. And that she even says that Erica came in to her audio podcast, full makeup, hair, and wardrobe person. I'm hoping that she was making that a day of it. That she didn't just, like, get dressed in, in Pasadena to drive up to... Um, where does Heather live? She lives the same place, that Calabasas. So she like drove from one place to the next and she gets herself over there. Or maybe she's at Wyndham Hills. Anyways, it's a f- six hour drive, however you chalk it up because it's in LA. So wherever you're going is going to be long distance. But anyways, yeah, so she got in full makeup and hair for an audio podcast. Uh, um, I guess that makes sense. So watch it. Housewife and the Hustler, it's over on Hulu. It's great. It's a nice piece. And the thing is, it leads us right back into We're a Housewives of Beverly Hills. And the thing is, they kept on like showing the footage. So every time that they would be like, it's expensive to me, like you're just like, mm, cringe. And then the next one, like when they're playing like, uh, how many fucks do I give? Zero, 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 none. And I'm just thinking, this bitch is wearing Melania Trump's, I don't really care, do you, coat? I mean, it's essentially what these songs are doing now that we are finding out that they've taken money from burn victims and widows and orphans and whatnot. So, like, this is going to be harsh. Hopefully she didn't know too much about it. And then the one side, I do kind of think of it myself, too, that, like, I don't know all of my partner's financials. And the thing is, is it's different kind of money, you guys. When people have investments and they actually have, like, lawyers involved and there's trusts and there's so much other stuff. It's not just, like, two people that make two grand a week and then you kind of know where the money is going in and out with, with somebody and that you have a little bit more of a tap. When it comes to this big money like this, you really never know. And the thing is, and I think she kind of got herself into the situation where she married a rich man. She assumed the money was all legit. And so, but like my partner points out, like she, she had to know that the money, where was it coming from when you're spending 40 grand a month? I mean, you're spending a half a million dollars a year on glam that doesn't include photos, that doesn't include your fashion, doesn't include the, the private jet and everything else. So this money was just bleeding through them like it just it's crazy you have 50 million dollars in cash and you guys spend it that way 
Like, don't we all wish that we won, like, a million bucks? Wouldn't we all be like, oh, I'm good with the million bucks? And you can live off that shit? Like, these Survivor kids are doing that. What happened here? Okay, guys, so before I let you go, let's just talk a little bit about Beverly Hills Housewives just to give my little opinions before we take a walk away from this today. Thank you guys again so much for joining me today. And if you guys do want me to do like full recaps of shows, please let me know. Hit me up in my DMs, leave it in the comments, whatever. Uh, But so Housewives of Beverly Hills, this is the first time, you guys, that I have been excited to watch this program in so long. Like, it's not, it just feels a little bit more in depth. The Sutton Crystal drama of it all feels organic and not put upon them. Like, they really got themselves into the situation that they're in and the feelings that they're having is all at this place. I don't think Sutton is a bad person. I don't think she's a racist woman. I think Sutton is very limited in what her viewpoints are. But I do think at the same time that she does embrace lots of different cultures and I know people who are I'm friends with that are good friends with her and so I'm really hoping that this is not going to drag her down too much but she's good damn TV you guys and if we didn't have somebody like this a whipping post somebody you know whipping boy essentially that we can you know kind of dump on what would we have I mean we did this with Dorit for how long and then now Dorit is like the girl that we would all like to hang out with at some point you know even though we don't really want to talk to her very much because the accent can be like a little bit crazy um <laughs> but still, like Dorit, she's coming off pretty cool. She doesn't have much of a narrative this year, and I think she's probably like, thank God for that, because there's like nobody trying to like sue her all of a sudden. Because, you know, like we just discussed, it's all about Erica and what the situation that we're gonna be revealing. And so every time that Erica says something, it does feel a little bit awkward throughout the show, you know, when she talks about, you know, you don't always know what you're getting, you know, you don't always know what you're gonna get with your husband. And she like tries to purr these lines. Um And now it's just coming across like, ooh, we got a broken bird in our midst, you know. Lisa Renna is so sweaty and so thirsty for attention, but she doesn't give us anything. And I think this feels like it's her last year. I don't know if I want to watch Lisa Renna anymore. I think it's hurting her. And now she's went from having all these different products like her dusters and everything else. And she swung around to the most basic lip kit thing. Like who doesn't have a lip kit these days, Lisa? You already hit it. Like it passed. You didn't jump on and now you're going to try to like jump into the game. I guess, but she's not giving us much. I mean, she did that whole thing with like, look at me in the pool, look at me in the pool, look at me in the pool. Like, girl, give it up. Kyle is coming on Crofts very likable this season. And I am not a Kyle stan. If you guys look at those ball, those uh, old episodes of Binge Bitches, I was so harsh on Kyle. And the thing is, and she's really gotten on my nerves for quite a few seasons. But this year, her sister adds to the fun and we're kind of seeing that kyle really was the more grounded one who tried to keep everybody together so i think when she gets on this show when she's on housewives she kind of acts out um but you know when kyle was like grabbing sutton two weeks ago and she was like you know act like a grown woman you know like i was just like ooh, she's like basically telling you the cameras are on stop acting like an asshole but then kyle you know She also made me mad when she didn't step in and kind of back Sutton down from the whole situation with Crystal and kind of be that ally to Crystal when you have somebody who is a person of color in your midst and you have somebody else who is just kind of being a Karen, (laughs) so to speak. Oh, God, I'm so not Leah, and I hate using the word Karen because it's so stupid. It's one of those, like, just really lazy kind of put downs so uh who else garcelle she's not really giving me much and the thing is that i know she wants to you can see garcelle so wants to be in the mix and she just hasn't found the right thing to latch onto. but when she does i'm here for it you guys remember 
Garcelle is the woman whose husband cheated on her, and then she wrote an open letter and sent it to everybody at his agency. There is a good amount of crazy under the surface for Garcelle, and we just have not experienced it yet. So when we have that lid off the pot, look out. It's going to happen. And I kind of can't wait. We're so evil. Okay, you guys. I think that's everybody who's on the show right now that I really care to mention. Again, I will say it like from now until eternity that Kathy Hilton is giving us so much of what we want. And she's that fuck you money that doesn't give a shit. And she's just inside of her sweats. If you saw that extra scene that they showed that Kathy Hilton didn't bring any glam to that girl's trip. She brought a bag full of sweatpants. $900 sweats, but still she brought sweats. And that is somebody who I personally can hang with. (laughs) I spent the last year in spandex and elastic waistbands. I know. We're going to get there, guys. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Bald and Bingeable with D'Angelo. Make sure that you guys subscribe everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Give us a nice little like. Please share the podcast with your friends. Tell them about us. Let's grow this network organically, you know? Like how we grow other things organically. Like corn. And pot. And penises. Those grow organically too, right? Okay, you guys, I'm probably going to be in a city near you sometime this summer. The clubs are opening up. I know that I'm in San Diego and L.A. this July, and I'm also going to be in Miami. So keep your eyes on my social media, D'Angelo Gogo on Instagram and Twitter, or D'Angelo on TikTok. You guys, this is always a great time whenever I get to get in your little ear holes and put myself in that little hole. And I just said about putting myself in your little hole take that put that in your spank bank baby (laughs) good night from the lower level (laughs) good night from the lower level